Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? It's Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you again for another episode of the Steelers preview show. It's week six, but it's not just another game. It's the Bengals game. And with that comes a whole other layer of stuff. And I would use another S word, but we're going to try to keep it clean. PG-13. But when you're talking Bengals, you're talking Steelers. There's a whole lot of extracurriculars that we're going to talk about. And we'll dive into all of that in this show. And I welcome my co-host, Brian Anthony Davis. Brian, what's going on this afternoon for you? You know, I believe that S word you're looking for is shenanigans. Because <laughs> that is what we get when Pittsburgh and Cincinnati play. It's uh, We always talk about Raven Week. Well, Bengal Week is here in full force and i'm ready for some craziness i am not for once i want to see a steelers Bengals game that is just very physical very hard hitting very indicative of an afc north grudge match but nothing that's dirty nothing that's cheap i hate that i really hate it i watch these games just thinking to myself please don't a huge player get injured and that's that's a shame it kind of reminds me, you know, if you think back, I want to say is two years ago, Vontez Perfect was coming off of his, yeah, it was 2016. He was suspended for the beginning of the season after his high hit on Antonio Brown in the 2015 wild card. And the Steelers played the Bengals at Heinz Field without Perfect, and it was fine. It was a, just as I described two seconds ago, hard fought, very physical football game. But there was nothing dirty, nothing dirty. There was no late hits. I don't want to put this all on perfect, but let's be honest. With Pac-Man gone, if if this stuff happens, it's perfect. Because if it wasn't perfect in the past, it was Pac-Man. So, Brian, do you expect perfect to be perfect? Or do you expect the NFL's new rules? The I'm sure that the commissioner in his office might have sent a letter to both teams saying, look, we don't want this to escalate. What are your thoughts on how this game's going to play out? Well, you know what? When you have the instincts and just, you know, it's, it's already in them. So, I mean, I think that you have a guy in Vontez Perfect that is going to, like, in warm-ups, he's going to be like, I'm not going to do anything. You know, getting ready, National Anthem, not going to do anything. Gets on the field and then just it rushes in. I mean, I don't think he could help it. He's he's like, let's just say he's like the mascot. He's a Bengal tiger, and he has that instinct to just go ahead and kill. And that's what you, what I think of when I think of Vontez Perfect. So I think it's going to happen. Um, I, I was reading uh, my tag team partner, Tony Defio's article today, and uh, his prediction was that, Vontez is going to show up with a uh, pillowcase full of doorknobs. And so <laughs> I don't I think it's, that. that's going to quite happen, but I, I, I love it. It could. I mean, that's not completely off the table. I think it's listed in Vegas as a possibility. But, you know, these teams can't help but hate each other. But I'm hoping, it, uh, like you, I'm hoping Ben Roethlisberger's wish comes true and they just play football. But is it possible when these teams, two teams get together? Because remember, there's so much bad blood that happened in that December 4th game of last year. That has nothing to do with Ryan Shazier, as far as I'm concerned. It has everything to do with Juju, 
and uh, the alleged karma that uh, Antonio Brown brought up and everything. So I think it's going to continue to be ugly, Jeff. Yeah, and it, it typically gets that way in Cincinnati, too, at Paul Brown Stadium for whatever reason. Um, we could run down the laundry list, everything from George Iloka's high hit on Antonio Brown. People tend to forget about that. Um, the You go back even further. You know, I'll ask you this question. Lance and I were trying to decipher this last night on our, the, our podcast, The Standard is a Standard. What do you think was the tipping point that got all this nastiness started? It hasn't always been that way. I said, in my opinion, it was the Carson Palmer, Kimo Von Olhoffen, 2005 wild card game. That kind of started it. At least, that, it might not have started with the players, but it certainly did with the fans. After that game, the fan base can't stand the Steelers, can't stand the Steeler fans. They felt they were cheated out of a long playoff run there. When do you think this whole thing, this circus that it's become got ignited you know jeff i think it happened that day in january of 2006 but i think the bad blood even happened just a little bit earlier maybe about seven eight weeks beforehand when um actually about four or five weeks beforehand in december when uh after a hard-fought game tj hushmanzada breaks out the terrible towel and just completely disrespects it. Um, I think, uh, you know, that was okay with Bengal fans at that point. You know, there's one thing, you know, I have some friends that are actual Bengal fans that I respect, and I know some people that like them, but a lot of them, to me, they're, they just do not subscribe to what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So it's, it's okay if they do it to you, but... Vontez Perfect is a saint in their eyes. And Heinz Ward is the devil. Juju Smith-Schuster is the new devil. Ryan Shazier was the devil after uh, those hits in the uh, wildcard game. Um, Mike Munchak is still being mentioned as a guy that pulled a man's dreadlocks when you know he was just trying to get out of the way and he got caught up. And Joey Porter, Joey's crazy. I love Joey. Joey's nuts. But he's still public enemy number one as well. That's, I mean, they do not have any accountability for their actions at all whatsoever. And it's all the Steelers are the bad guys and the Steelers are the bullies. And that's what we hear over and over and over again. And it doesn't help that the Steelers have beaten them six games in a row. And they, uh, they haven't forgotten that either. Right. And I think that also, if that, if you could even go back to maybe Heinz Ward and the Keith Rivers, and that kind of started this trend, it, gasoline was thrown on the fire when Reggie Nelson hit Le'Veon Bell in week 17. That was the game that Mike Tomlin went after him. Uh, that was 2014. Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. It was that 2014 when Bell got hurt in the final regular season game and had to miss the playoff game against the Ravens and the wild card. They ended up losing. Was that 2014? Yes, it was because 2015, the Steelers beat the Ravens in the AFC wild card game, right? I'm right on that. Yeah, that is correct. Okay. And then it was the following year that perfect hurt him or yes, I think. 
it's a it's a mess. We could talk about this for an hour, but you know what? The hope is, and Brian agreed with me, is that it's a hard fought game. It's a physical game, but it's clean. No one wants a cheap shot. And you know, like he said, Bengal fans think that Juju Smith Schuster's hit on Burfick was cheap. I disagree. Um, I'll be the first to say that you know Ryan Chazier's hit on Gio Bernard a couple years ago in the playoffs. It would be illegal now, and there's I don't I wouldn't debate that fact, but at the time it wasn't illegal, and it was the same hit that ended up obviously leaving him motionless from the waist down on the field just one year ago. So it's going to be an emotional trip back for a lot of people. I did find it interesting that uh, Bud Dupree was quoted by saying this was for two Will Grays of the Associated Press that during the game uh, and on in December on Monday Night Football. He and Vince Williams had no idea how Ryan Shazier got hurt. They assumed it was a blindside hit by a Bengal that hurt him. And they spent the entirety of the next half trying to exact revenge on or for Shazier's injury. And it wasn't until halftime that they got in and saw the highlight and said, well, crap, he kind of did this to himself. It wasn't a Bengal that hit him late. It wasn't someone that cheap shot at him. That's where these guys, that's where their heads went. And it's got to be calm. The Steelers have to be on their P's and Q's. The penalties, guys, if I'm speaking to the team, I'm saying the penalties have to be in our favor, meaning we're gaining the yardage, not giving it away. So let's get right into things, Brian. Key matchups. All the extracurricular stuff aside, unless you want to tie it in with penalties, and that's up to you. What are some matchups that you're looking for? We're going to give you three. Yeah, both of us are going to give three. What's your first key matchup for this game coming up? Well, let's go to the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers and look at number 25, Artie Burns, and number 24, Cody Sensabaugh. You know, they... Uh, they split time fairly well last week, uh, 43% of the time for uh, Cody. Um, Artie was about 57% of the snaps on defense. And uh, they're going to see Tyler Boyd and a whole heck of a lot of them. Now, here's a guy out of Pittsburgh that took a while to get established, but he's playing like a true number two and maybe a WR1 as well. I mean, no, that's crazy to say when you have A.J. Green on that team. But look at something here. A.J. Green has 43 targets on the year. Tyler Boyd, 43 targets. They have identical amount of targets. Boyd has four more receptions at 30. A.J. has 26. And Boyd has 393 yards. So while they are spending all this time having Joe Hayden um, – try to blanket A.J. Green like he did last week against Julio Jones, and they're very similar style of player, a tall, physical wide receiver. On the other side of the ball, a Tyler Boyd could run wild and really hurt the Steelers if they do not lock him down. So Artie and Cody Sensabaugh against Boyd, that is my matchup number one, and it's paramount that they shut him down as well, Jeff. Right, and it's very true. The same can be said with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think A.J. Green draws a lot of attention. Tyler Boyd is taking advantage. I'm going to flip the script and talk about, in my opinion, there's very few cornerbacks in the National Football League that have ever been accredited to possibly stopping or slowing down Antonio Brown. In his prime, Pac-Man Jones always gave Antonio Brown fits. 
At the same time, Richard Sherman was credited with slowing him down. Um, Jimmy Smith has done a good job against him in the past. But, you know, the youngest, and Jalen Ramsey, he does well against everyone. There's a young cornerback in Cincinnati, and it sickens me to say this because he was this close to being a Pittsburgh Steeler uh, in 2016. William Jackson III, who missed his rookie year because of a torn pectoral muscle, has done a tremendous job against Brown whenever he lines up against him. I guarantee you that matchup is going to be reoccurring a lot during this week six game in Cincinnati. And I want to see if Antonio Brown gets the best of him because I want to say pro football focus last year, put out a statistic that there's no cornerback in the league since William Jackson began playing that has defended Brown better. And that's the honest truth that he gets more opportunities based on the fact that clearly he is going to see him twice a year, no matter what. But I am going to be watching this William Jackson the third versus Antonio Brown because I think it's going to be critical. If Brown can get loose, Brown can get open, they're going to trust him on an island because they're going to want to stop the run. They're going to want to make sure they have coverage everywhere else. If they put Brown and Jackson on an island, he has to win that matchup if the Steelers want to win. So that's my first matchup. What's your next one, Brian? It's a very good one, Jeff. Um, number two. This is for me. We already talked about Vontez Burfecht and uh, how he is and what you might expect from him. He is uh, he's an emotional car wreck, and he gets out there, and he could really change the course of not only the game but an entire Pittsburgh Steelers season, and we've seen him do it before. Now, last year um, in October in a game in Pittsburgh, there's one man that came up big and completely neutralized him, and that was fullback Rosie Nix. I would like to see the Steelers do the same thing with Roosevelt. Get him in there. Let him just go ahead and set the tone. Very early, he went out and cracked Voltez Burfecht. Just absolutely destroyed him and neutralized him for the entire game. He basically took him out of it and let the Pittsburgh Steelers do what they needed to do to win that game offense. So as far as it goes, Big number 45 from Kent State, Rosiness against 55, Montez Perfect. That is a huge matchup, Jeff, and it's got to happen, and the Steelers know they need it. Absolutely. That's going to be one to watch. Uh, you know, Roosevelt Knicks, it was in the last game on Monday Night Football. I think it was a rushing touchdown close to the goal line. Roosevelt Knicks pancake perfect, and there were some players on the Steelers that said after that play, I guess Roosevelt Knicks got up and kind of got in Burfecht's face. You know, he's happy that he made a play, and especially against that guy. And Burfecht made some cheap comment like, yeah, well, whatever, I just got paid because he had just signed a new contract. That's the kind of guy that Burfecht is. You know, I, I looked back, I did a snap count article today for the website, and I thought that the Steelers used Roosevelt Knicks a lot against the Falcons. They did not. Uh, he played less than 10 snaps on offense, and uh, he, but he was a big contributor. He had a great block, um, uh, had great blocks on both James Conner touchdowns, I believe, uh, especially the second one where he was the lead blocker as he walked into the end zone. So yeah, that is a very good matchup to watch. I'm going to go with the Steelers offensive line slash pass protection versus the Bengals pass rush. Uh, the Steelers did a phenomenal job against the lackluster uh, Atlanta 
defensive front, we'll say, but they do have some pass rushers in Tack McKinley, and I can't remember who's opposite him now. Uh, but at the same time, they kept Ben clean. He was there were zero sacks, very few quarterback hits. If they're able to duplicate that, I think that this could be a, a, an offensive performance that the Steelers move the ball almost at will. I'm not impressed with the Bengals stopping the run. They pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. If the Steelers can run the ball as well as protect, I'm not. I'm still not sold on Alejandro Villanueva. He's played better, but he still has his moments. We saw it against Baltimore. And I think the, last night we said, true or false, the Steelers give up three sacks uh, or more. Brian, what do you think on that? Do you think they give up more than three, or do you think they're actually going to perform well enough that they stay under that number? No, I think they are giving up more than three. I think this is a very tough de- uh, defensive line in Cincinnati. Geno Atkins, three sacks in the past two games. And, you know, we uh, we talk about uh, Jay Watt. We talk about uh, Jay Watt leading the sack. And if I'm not mistaken, that. All right, we might have lost Brian there. It got a little choppy there, Brian. Sorry about that. So we'll see if we can get him back on. I'll go ahead and read off my next key so that we can keep the show going. And that would be the Pittsburgh wide receivers uh, versus the versus the defensive backs of Cincinnati. So I'd mentioned William Jackson the third, and obviously Antonio Brown's going to be a key there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I want to see James Washington do something. I want to see Juju Smith-Schuster really do some work on Drake or Patrick, who I think will be covering him a lot. Um, I want to see these guys win their matchups, go out, do their job. That's something that TJ Watt spoke about at the end of last, last week's game, that the theme for everyone on the team going into the Atlanta week was, do you do your one part out of 11, regardless of what side of the ball you're on, you do your one part out of 11 and then let everyone else do their own job. And that's how this thing will work. So for me, I think this is a matchup, man. I keep thinking to myself, we've seen James Washington play well in the preseason and I know it wasn't against starters. I'm just waiting for him to actually make a huge contribution in a game that counts. And so I want to see if he can do that again. But I'm really anxious to see the tight ends as well. Vance McDonald, Jesse James, even Xavier Grimble had a catch last week. James Conner out of the backfield. Ben Roethlisberger needs to spread the love, and they need to win their matchups. If they can do that, I'll tell you what, they'll be a really tough offense to uh, you know to move the ball against. So there you have it. So, Brian, are you back? Are you good with us here? I believe I'm here. All right, yeah, go ahead. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and give us our your last key. So I already made a mention to TJ Watt. Um, three sacks last week. Three sacks week one. Um, actually, four sacks week taken away to Javon Hargrave. Um, TJ Watt, if they plan and they for him, he does very well. I hope they continue to scheme for week because he's taking a guy on by the name of Bobby Hart, 
Um, I wasn't really familiar with until I looked into uh, into his background. But the right tackle, the starting right tackle, was Bobby Hart. He was a cast off from the New York Giants. They couldn't wait to get rid of this guy. Cincinnati picked him up, put him in there, and uh, he's given up a lot of sacks. And he is very vulnerable. And uh, he makes it possible for a guy like Watt to go ahead and get to Andy Dalton because um, Andy Dalton's a guy at home. You know, in his past seven games, has 17 touchdowns, two interceptions only. We need to get the pass rush on him. You so much pressure to help those defensive backs out and just knock them down and uh, get them off his game. So, TJ Watt, Bobby Hart, you guys are up, and it's going to be a matchup. Sounds like he's a member of the Hart Foundation. Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't think there was a you, you know how to speak my language. I, I I don't, I don't know. There's so many Hart brothers. I mean, there's yeah. like six or seven of them. Um, I don't know if he uh, trained in the famed dungeon, but uh, <laughs> I would, I would go ahead and put one of the brother-in-law's hearts who actually played in the NFL, the late great Jim, the Anvil Neidhart, who was an NFL player with the Oakland Raiders, which is very thin, Jeff um, I would put him in there as probably a better idea than Bobby Hart at this point. <laughs> well, hey, that's fine by me. If it means TJ Watt gets some more sacks, I'm all for it. So let's go ahead. And now we go into our player to watch. This is where we have one player that we think, it could be on either side of the football, could be either team. One player that we think is going to be, you know, the guy that's going to be the, the player that could maybe turn the tide. So Brian, go ahead. What is your... Who's your guy? Who's your one player to watch in this week, this matchup? You know, I've never picked this guy. Uh, look, you've mentioned Antonio Brown and how important he is before you mentioned the matchup with William Jackson third, but you have a guy like Juice who really makes it. In the past, Antonio Brown has not his best games. That goes back to when he was going head to head with uh, Patrick as well. You know, so they all seem to find a way to uh, neutralize him and not let him go completely off the rails and destroy him. But so I, I put a lot of coverage, a lot of guys on him, and give Juju options and a chance to go crazy. So, uh, all right brian your connection was a little south there we I, i'm not even sure who your player was to pick go ahead and try saying that one more time um just real quick who's your player to watch juju smith schuster very good and we, we i we already piece that together i think of who of why you picked juju um for me i am going to go hmm, i have a couple players written down here Juju's not one of them, believe it or not. Um, player to watch. I'm going to go Terrell Edmonds. I haven't said him yet either. Uh, he's going to get the start. He's played all 100% of the snaps the last two weeks. Morgan Burnett is not looking like he's going to play this Sunday either. And so it's Edmonds and Davis back there. And I get the feeling that what we're seeing is the future of the Steelers' defensive secondary in terms of the safety play. It's just phenomenal to see um, him grow. And is he perfect? 
No. But at the same time, is he playing well enough that he is able to make plays and he's stepping up in big situations? I think about that third down. That's a solo tackle if you've ever seen one. Open field. You got to make that play, and he did. This is a place he wasn't making early in the season. I think Terrell Edmonds gets a pick. Now, Brian does his bold predictions. I'm not sure if he's going to say that in his bold predictions article, which will run tomorrow on Friday. But I think Terrell Edmonds gets an interception, and I think that it might be a really big one. So, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on that? You know what? Um, you just gave me some material for when I get off the this <laughs> show and I go ahead and uh, put my fingers to the keyboard. Uh, you know, I've done that before with Terrell Edmonds, and I was always wrong. And when I didn't pick him, he had the interception. So maybe I should keep him off and let you just make that prediction. But, you know, I think he's uh, he's growing each and every week, and he's the kind of player that that could really change the game. And we're going to see him more as the season goes on and you're really in year number two, I think he's going to uh, become a linchpin on that defense. Absolutely. So what, what we're going to do now is we're going to go into fantasy football talk. And when we're talking about fantasy football, we're going to change it up a little bit. Brian and I were talking before the show about how kind of our sleepers every week are, are pretty much the same guys. So what we decided, or let me rephrase that, what I decided just about two seconds ago, and I didn't even tell Brian, <laughs> was um, we're going to do like a stardom and sit them. So someone that we think you should start, which was basically be our lock, and then someone that we would say, look, you don't want to start this guy this week. I think that's just a little bit wiser, um, and it might be, it's good for if you do daily fantasy. It's good if you do your traditional fantasy as well. So let's go with our locks first. I know Brian's prepared for that because we always do that. Brian, who is your lock this week in week six? Well, you know what? I went ahead and I picked a Cincinnati Bengal again for a lock because, look, I am still not completely sold after one week with that secondary as a shutdown secondary. Um, they Joe Hayden had a great game, but can it go another week? Can he do it again against another big receiver in A.J. Green? I'm hoping, but I know what A.J. Green does to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Four touchdown receptions in the last five games against the Steelers. If you go back even further, it it's probably eight of ten. He just goes crazy when he plays the Pittsburgh Steelers, no matter who is the defensive back assigned to him. Last week, he had six receptions for 112 yards against the Miami Dolphins. Um, I'm looking for a big game from A.J. Green. I hope I'm wrong, but I do have him in a league, but I hope I lose in that league, and, uh, and A.J. Green gets me a giant goose egg like Julio Jones killed me last week, and Matt Ryan was my fan duel quarterback last week <laughs> and absolutely killed me. So <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. I'll lose fantasy anytime in favor of my Steelers, but I'm going to go ahead with A.J. Green. Yeah, Brian, last week you picked Julio Jones as your lock, I believe. Joe Hayden was following him around the field, and he locked him down. Reports are now, I mean, they're not going to say whether they will or won't, but there's a strong likelihood that he will follow A.J. Green. And Joe Hayden even said, you know, after the Ravens game, he prefers to go against those bigger, stronger uh, wide receivers compared to the small guys like John Brown, 
or yeah, John Brown, that's his name, uh, of the Ravens. It's just a short, real speedy guy. And look, if anyone knows AJ Green, it's Joe Hayden. He's been in the division his whole career. He's played against him a lot. So you're going to take AJ Green. I would not because I'm just not sold. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm a Steeler fan. I'm a homer. I get it. But I'm going to go with my lock now. And for me, I'm really tempted to say James Conner. And I am going to say James Conner. That's my lock of the week because I think the Steelers might have found a an equation, a whatever you want to call it, a formula for success on offense, and that is to commit to the run and yet use James Conner the way they use Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell has always torched the Bengals when he's healthy. Um, everyone remembers the stiff arm against Drake or Patrick last year where he literally bounced him off the turf. Um, James Conner can do the same stuff, and they're starting to utilize him the same way that they do Bell by throwing him the ball in the flat and getting him underneath and just checking the ball down and letting him get yards after the catch. He runs hard. It's very unlikely that one tackler is going to bring him down. I think James Conner is going to get a heavy dose of, of action again. The only thing that scares me is if the Bengals get an early lead, you have the fear of the Steelers are going to have to throw the ball to get back in it. And that's what happened in week two, weeks two through four. And his numbers were really, really low. But for me, I think the Steelers know what they want to do, and it's solely revolving around James Conner. So that's my lock is James Conner for this week. Brian, what do you think about that? That is a good lock. Um, I was looking at going in that direction as well. I really like what James is doing, and I think they have not just a plan, but I think they have a culture with James Conner now, and that's going to be the identity of their offense, setting everything up through the run first, and that's what's going to be happening. And if the run happens like I'm expecting, James Conner is going to be the linchpin of it, and he's going to be front and center the guy. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and let's now go to who you would sit. A player that you just don't like the matchup, for whatever reason, can be both sides of, of the you know, the docket could be offense. I mean, it could be Bengals, could be Steelers. Give me who you would sit. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, sit the tight ends. Um, I have Vance McDonald in one league. I have Jesse James in one league. I just, for some reason, I don't like the matchups with these guys this week. Um I like the matchups with everybody else on the Steelers' side of the ball, so I'm not going to go ahead and play either Jesse or Vance. Um, I know they, uh, in the Kansas City game, James went off. We know how you talked about the great stiff arm, the, the stiff arm from uh, heaven in week three in Tampa with Vance McDonald. You know how well that worked out in that 70, ensuing 75-yard run um, after the catch. I just don't see it happening against Cincinnati. So I just don't like the matchup with the tight ends. Okay. And I'm going to say I would definitely pump the brakes on Antonio Brown um, for all the reasons that we mentioned during the show. And that is that William Jackson third does a great job against him. The fact that the Bengals almost always scheme to say he's not going to beat us. So because of that, I would definitely Say Antonio Brown, if you're like in a Fandle league like we are, might not start you this week. And he's an expensive player anyways. He's going to cost you almost $9,000. So we're going to pump the brakes. We're going to put you off on the back burner. 
Um, I'm going to sit Antonio Brown this week just because of the past, as well as the way I possibly see this game going, and that includes my lock, which was James Conner. So there you have it. Um, here we go. I've been asking us here. I'm looking at our YouTube live for those that are watching us live on YouTube. Um, I asked if there were any questions for the show. Um, I'm trying to think here. See here. We'll see if uh, someone asked about Ladarius Green, where he is now. Ladarius Green is currently unemployed. Uh, he does not never got picked up. Someone asked, "What's the deal with uh, Burnett? Meaning Morgan Burnett? You know, it's one of those things that." Um, Boy, it's just really crappy. It seems like whoever the Pittsburgh Steelers pick up in free agency always seems to have an injury history. Vance McDonald did. Ladarius Green did. Morgan Burnett did. And although Vance McDonald's healthy now, we don't know how long that's going to last. We hope it's, it stays true. But at the same time, Morgan Burnett has, has sat well more than he's played, and that's disappointing. Good for Terrell Edmonds, yet still disappointing. All right, here we go. Ready? We got a couple for you here, Brian. How concerned are you about Ben Roethlisberger's elbow? You know what? I think part of that elbow situation is uh, the myriad of excuses that Ben comes up with, um, especially after a win. There's always something that hurts. And uh, after a loss, something hurts more now. I'm going to tell you a story, Jeff, real quick. Something sure. that happened. Um, my father and I were in uh, Butler, PA in 2006, and we were helping out with an autograph signing. A friend of ours was running an autograph signing, and it was with uh, a few Steelers. Um, Brian McFadden was there, but none other than Debo, James Harrison, was there. And he was just standing around afterwards while everybody was cleaning up, just talking to my dad and I. And he looked straight at me and said, well... If we lose tomorrow, and they were two and five at the time. This was after the Super Bowl. They were two and five. If we lose tomorrow, I can't wait to hear what hurts on the quarterback. So, you know, I just bring that up. And that could be Debo just being Debo. But I bring that up because it seems like Ben does better when he has an excuse or he has something to pin his performance on. But I think last week with that elbow was one of those situations that, all right, I played poorly. I was playing with a bad elbow, but look, I sacked up. I went out there and I had a great second half. So that's what I'm hoping it is. I don't know if we need to be too concerned with it, but if he starts off poorly in Cincinnati, maybe we should look at it a little bit more. But I'm not sure because it could be just – Drama Ben. It is drama Ben, but at the same time, it's significant enough that it's already been reported that he won't be practicing in any bye week practices. If you know how the NFL system works, after this Sunday, the Steelers go on their bye week, but they'll still practice, I think, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the players then jettison out on their own and they take the weekend off and they typically report back uh, after that. So if it's no, I think it is drama, Ben. He might be drumming it up a little bit more than necessary, but at the same time, it's significant enough that he's going to sit out practice during the off week, so we'll see. Uh, which ties into the next question. What do you think will happen if Le'Veon, back, Le'Veon Bell comes back during the bye week, as was reported a few weeks ago? I still don't think he's coming back. I think he's coming back to football. I still have that gut that he's not coming back in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform. Um, especially, I 
you know, Philadelphia can dismiss it all they want. But especially with tonight's game against the Giants, if that running game doesn't go well, Howie Roseman is going to be on the phone and be ready to give up. I don't want to say the farm, but give up a lot for Le'Veon Bell. If he does come back as a Pittsburgh Steeler, I think it's a situation where they ease him in and go ahead and uh, they'll split carries. You will see maybe uh, to start 70-30 Connor, and then if he's there, it'll shorten up. He will continue. He'll be the guy after that. Um he'll probably get in there and you'll probably see less of a James Conner, but I'm not sold that he's going to ever play for the Pittsburgh Steelers again, Jeff. Okay. Which brings up another question. Would this, would you accept a deal? Let's say the Philadelphia Eagles call tomorrow morning and say, we will give you a third round pick in the 2019 NFL draft for Le'Veon Bell. Take it or leave it. Absolutely. Okay. So you're taking a third. I think the Steelers would do that deal too. Um, I think they would take that deal. Um, fans would hate it. They'd be so pissed. But at the same time, if his it's his contract situation, in my opinion. It's not his level of play. It's that he's not a young running back anymore. He's asking a whole lot of money, and he has to go to a team that A, can afford him, and B, has you know the inside track of signing him after. It's basically rent a player. Um, and so I'm not sure a lot of teams would be down with that, but I think if the Steelers get a third for him, um, they would definitely sign on the dotted line and take that third round pick for sure. Um, here we go. If the Steelers win their next three games, which are all divisional games, do you think they win the AFC North or do you think it's more of a, there's still a lot of games left? I think the AFC North is going to be decided this weekend in Cincinnati that's just my gut feeling. I mean, I know what Baltimore did to Pittsburgh. Um, the way Baltimore looked against Cleveland last week was uh, very subpar. I think Baltimore plays better when they play Pittsburgh. But I think uh, the Steelers are finding their second wind. I think uh, the entire season for the Steelers actually, you know, crazy to say it in week six, but I think the division hinges on week six. And if they come out and win this weekend – I think they're winning the division. I think they're going on a run. I agree with the run thing, but I don't agree with the fact that the division hinges this week. There's just so much football left to be played. And even if the Steelers win two out of their next three or all three of their next games, then I think you're looking at a situation where and they still have a lot of tough games left. They still have the Saints. They still have the Panthers. They still have the Patriots. Um, they still have a lot of tough games. Now, some of those, a lot of those are at home, which is nice. But at the same thing, uh, at the same time, I should say, I just think there's too much left. I think even if they lose this game on Sunday by chance and they are two, three, and one at the bye, if they can get it right, they're going to need some help. But I don't, I'm not sold on Cincinnati being a team that's going to run away with it. Um, I think Baltimore has the team that is more inclined to run and hide than Cincinnati. I, I just think that, you know, you look at Cincinnati, their last two wins wins over Atlanta. They had to come storming back. They were down big uh, against Miami. Same thing. They were down 17, nothing at one point. Um, this is a team that has, has gotten some bounces. They've gotten some good fortune and it takes that to win in the national football league, but I'm not going to go ahead and say that this week, it's just, it's just me. I'm not going to say this week is the be all end all. It's a big game, but I think it's uh 
not the end of the world if they were to lose it. Um, a lot of people don't like that we would take a third round pick for Le'Veon Bell, uh, Brian, just so you know that. Um, do you want to wait till 2020 for that third round pick? That's exactly that's, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. The, call, the compensatory pick would not be in 2019. They would get that third rounder now. They'd be able to attach that to a player that could help them now. Um, so, yeah, that's a great point. Um, here we go. Let's see here. Do you Are you a buyer into the defense? I mean, are you someone that believes that the last week against a really good offense? You know, people always want to say, well, you know, the offensive performance and 41 points, even though seven of those were uh, a, a defensive touchdown. Are you a buyer in the Steelers' defense against that offense? Do you think this is a, a – are they trending upwards or is that a blip on the radar? I think they're possibly trending upwards. I need more than just one performance against the Atlanta Falcons, who I think is an amazing offense. Um, I just want to make sure that they don't go back into the same scheming that doesn't send anybody whatsoever, like we saw in against Baltimore. Um, it depends on the scheme. I think these guys have the ability to play. Um, and we saw this is virtually the same defense that we saw last year minus Ryan Shazier and you know a couple pieces here and there but really I I think they can go ahead and uh, help this team win I'm just not ready to anoint them and I'm not ready to start them on my fantasy team either this week because um, I just don't know what's going to happen I still think they have the ability to surrender a lot of points yeah and well so let me let me ask let me give you a scenario if the Steelers hold the Bengals to 17 points this week, are you buying yet, or you still have to still have more to see? I'm I'm probably buying at that point because I want to buy now, but at that point I'm like I'm two in a row against great receivers and competent quarterbacks because I consider Dalton a competent quarterback. I know a lot of people don't. I do. Um, I'm thinking at that point that yeah, I'm I'm ready to buy. Okay. Um... Do you th let's hear. I love that what Snowman said. He said, I would trade Bell for a case of beer. <laughs> Great. There comment. you go. Great comment. So, okay. Um, let's put the comments aside for a second and let's get to our predictions. This is the point of the show where we give our predictions, we give our picks. Um, I do want to mention that last week, Brian did not pick the Steelers to win, and they did. I picked the Steelers to win. And they did. So take that for what it's worth. You know, if you're going to your bookie, you might want to listen to me more than him. Brian, go ahead. What's your prediction for this game? First of all, I don't care if you get your leg, not you, Jeff, but I don't care if anybody gets their legs broken because they don't <laughs> pick, they don't pick their bookie, they don't pay their bookie because of what I'm telling them to do. Because what do I know? But um, here's the thing: some of that is by design. It's me being a uh, cautiously pessimistic because I hear it when I pick the Steelers and I'm told I'm wrong um, this week. I hope I don't, uh, I don't ruin everything, but I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend. I have that feeling that they are turning things around. See, I see that look <laughs> on your face. You just, ah, oh, geez, he, you and Lance, you know, I, I tell you, know, what, you I mean, guys it's, you, well, if you didn't listen to the show last night, listeners, I'm Lance, superstitious. Yeah, Lance picked the Steelers, and now Brian's picking the Steelers. 
And you know who I'm going to pick because if you listen to the shows that I host, all three of them, um, you know that I like the Steelers a lot. I pick the Steelers almost every week. There are games that I haven't, but I am a homer. I will admit that. Um, I think the Steelers are going to win this game. I have the Steelers winning this game 24 to 20. Now, Brian, I did not catch your score. If you gave it to us, what was your score again? Give it because you were mopping 27 to 26, Pittsburgh. Okay, very good. Very good. So, okay. Um, the connection is a little shoddy down there, Brian. But, anyways, 24 20. Sorry. It's okay. 24 20. I said 27 26, Brian said. And the Steelers are underdogs by Vegas for the first time this season. Um, and they are two and a half point underdogs currently. And so there you have it. So Brian, before we get off the air, anything that you would want to uh, add or anything like that before the, uh, we call it a night. You know what? I have been paying attention to uh, other websites, um, competitor websites from other competitive teams, not Steeler websites, but I've been uh Cincinnati websites and I'm listening to these guys on their podcast and I'm no leery of the Steelers. They do not they feel that they are snake bitten when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um being bullied, and we talked about that earlier by the Steelers, and the they feel that the Steelers own them right now. So they are really hoping to get off the picking against their team, feel like they have a chance. And uh, we don't see it here in Steeler Nation as the, as the Steelers is the big bad bully coming in and just, uh, you know, in other women. But that's what they think is happening in Cincinnati. Um, it's very interesting to see the dynamic on this, what this really means to Cincinnati. And I'd love to see Pitts again and sh- shut them and put them on the escalator like we saw a few years ago with that uh, exit. I'd love to see that again. So if you have to call us the bully, hey, I'll be the bully. That's right. I think I think it's now been affectionately be called the Escaloser. Because they typically are on it as a bunch of losers going down the Escaloser out the gate early because it's a game. Yeah, I'd love for this game to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to happen. I also don't think it's going to be as high scoring as people might predict. Nonetheless, we'll see how it pans out. I do want to mention, if you're listening to this show, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on podcast, maybe you just found it on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We want you to subscribe to our content outside of YouTube so that you get everything, uh, so that you get the Steelers hangover, which is not on YouTube, but is one of our weekly podcasts. So you get it all. And I want, you can find it on stitched. You can find it on Google play on iTunes, um, art 19. You can find us here on YouTube. Obviously, uh, if you are looking for links, you can go to the website behind the steel right now. You're going to scroll down about half the page. You're going to see an article for the standard is a standard podcast. I ran last night at the bottom of that. You have links to the Google play links for iTunes and even for Spotify. You can subscribe on Spotify and have all of our podcasts right there. Every time one gets published, it pops up. You get notification. You enjoy all the Steelers talk. So uh, do that. Follow us. We appreciate it. And we, uh, Brian, I thank you for your time. And we'll see you next week. Even though there's no game, we will be back. We'll be talking about the AFC North landscape, 
games coming up. We'll preview the AFC North and we'll talk about what we think, what we what we hope happens for Steeler fans out there. We'll see you next time. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.